Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hey guys, welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Josh. And we help you get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what, what are, are you, you doing, doing today? today? Yeah, like That's... we planned it. <laughs> <laughs> today on the show, we have someone I share the same last name with, Manning. But no relation, right? Not to my knowledge, unless you're from Cleveland, Ohio. We do kind of look alike. We do. Yep. Very handsome. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Age is just a little different. Like fine wine, we get yes. better with it. And the hair I have left is gray, but other than that, we're a dead ringer for Dude, each other. love it. You have blue eyes? <laughs> I do. I can see them from I here. I do. Well, uh, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. You also have a podcast. I do. Tell us a little bit about that. It is a blast. I had this idea. I'm in BNI, which is Business Networking International, and I've met so many people with their small business owners who have great stories. And I love stories. I like asking questions. So I was trying to figure out how to start a show and just interview these people to get their right. stories out because they're so good. And one thing led to another. I got to where I needed to be and, and got a show on the air. I think we're show 40. I think you were show 43 last week. Yeah, I got to be on the air. Yeah, which we had a blast. And I just want to tell stories. So I my issue was I have zero technical skills. Right. I can talk till the sun goes down, but I can't figure out how it works. And so I met Amnon, uh, Nissan, and I go to his house in the studio and I just do the show and it's great. I love it because there's so many good stories to tell. We all come from different ways, different places, different ages, different backgrounds. And and people just love stories because that's how we relay. That's how I tell people how cool you are and why they should do business with you is through a story. Not just like, oh, call Joe and Josh. They'll take good care of you. I'm like, well, I may need more than that. Right. And you have that built in network because you're talking to B&I people. So you've got a a group of people that you can talk. Talk to you. Josh and I, the, the premise of this podcast is very similar, like born out of a very similar mm-hmm. approach. People have fantastic stories. We wanted to pick people's brains and just hear how they did what they did, oh, what yeah. they wish they would have done different. And I'm curious because you've been doing this a little bit longer than us. What trends in the stories have you noticed? It's like, usually a passion because I last week I had uh, Dr. Dana Brindisi on. She's in uh, the Wednesday, Wednesday noon group that meets at the Carolina Alehouse. She's a functional neurologist. And which came out of chiropractic. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was her passion. And I've had realtors on the show and that was their passion. I had a friend of mine who's a property manager. His dad was one. So that's all Robert knew growing up. Every Saturday, his dad would, dad would drag him to a house. Robert, we need to fix this. So you're doing this. And that's what, there was a calling of some sort to something they do. Right. And that's what I love about it. Uh, Because I don't like talking to people. Like, yes, yeah, my job. I don't really like it. Yeah. That's the end of my conversation with that. I'm not, I'm not going to learn anything. <laughs> this has been fun. Thanks and for being on. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah. It's over, Batman. <laughs> and because the worst things are yes, no answers. You guys know that. But the other thing is just a bad storyteller. Yeah. And I tell people when, because people call me, go, hey, you need to have this person on your show. And there's two questions that I ask. Are they a good storyteller? Right. And do they activate BNI? Because we talk about sure. that. I don't want a non-storyteller because I want to be entertained. I want to learn stuff. And if I'm not learning anything, I can't get that story out to everybody. Right. But it's usually There's probably a-, a lot of people that are really good business owners that really have no business being on a podcast and talking about it because it's not their gift. You know what I mean? Exactly. You have to want to. And the other thing I've learned from people is is they don't really understand probably how talented they are. Because I think, yeah, you know, they they hem and haw and stuff like that. But then they start telling. And, you know, this, once you get people starting to talk, most people won't stand up in front of a crowd to tell a story about themselves. And I get that because I don't want to brag. But when you sit them down and you ask, so how did you get started? And if it's a true passion, you can see their face change instantly. Oh, let me tell you, um, the the chiropractor I go to started uh, because she needed some work when um, when Ashley was pregnant with her daughter, she had to go to the chiropractor. And that's what connected her to be a chiropractor because there was a passion of, man, these people really helped me. My pregnancy turned out to be okay because I had that help. So you use Dr. Ashley McGuire. I do. I love her. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. She was in your chapter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's in, but that's when she was on the show, it's like, how'd you get started? And she was telling that story. So that's kind of the common theme is there's a connection or a passion right. for something they want to do, whether it started out as a side hustle or they were 15. It's like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Doesn't it kind of bum you out? Because I think we have this unique 
perspective because we've gotten to talk to a lot of people about this topic. And I find that it bums me out when I meet somebody that's not doing what they're passionate about mm-hmm. because they think some silly thing like I can't make any money doing that. There are so many different jobs that people have found a way to make a living yeah. doing what they're passionate about that if you if you haven't seen it like as much as we've seen it, it just makes me feel really sad for people that feel like they're stuck or trapped in a job or can't change or yeah. Uh, it's just a, I think it's a perspective thing. And if they would think in, and one of the things also do B and I training. So I always tell people, think of yourself as the customer. Yeah. So if you walk into a store and you're looking, you need help and nobody walks up to help you. A, why are you going back to the store? But B, if somebody walks into your chapter to visit and nobody says hi to them, they're out of there and they should be. I always liked I always want people to know that as the consumer, if I see passion in you, I don't care what you do. You could cut the grass. You could be a doctor. You could be whatever. But if I see that passion from you when you're talking, let's say you're the the guy that cuts my grass. Right. And we're talking and you go into, you start telling me what you recommend, not what I need, but what you recommend. Right. And I can hear that and see that from you. I'm like, you know what? This guy, A, you do your homework because you want to do that, but you're there to make my lawn look better instead of like, ah, just another customer here, dude, just throw all this stuff down and probably be green one day. So people don't realize when they really, really like their job, the vibe they're given off. And I think most people pick up on that instantly uh, and can tell it's like, you know what? I need to talk with that person more. That's who I want to hang out with. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, I would love to kind of back up a little bit and hear a little bit about your background. Tell me about um, your first company that you started. Wait a minute. What planet are you from? I, uh, yeah. uh, let's see. How far back do we go? So my brother and I, I've got to go back to, let me go back a little bit, Seth Senior. My brother and I, I don't know if you guys have siblings, but we're just wired completely different. Mm. He has five really good friends and he tells me I don't need any more. <laughs> I can't even get into a networking event. He told me even if there's an open bar and I, he is true to his word. I've not gotten him there. He's been a serial small business owner since 1994. And about we're living in Daytona. We lived in Daytona Beach from 99 to 2009. I grew up here, moved away for 30 years. Oops, sorry, moved up, moved away for 30 years, moved back here in 2009. In about 2008, 2007, my brother and I started talking, even though we we're in different, he was up here and I'm in, in Florida. Like, you know, we need to start something because yeah. our, our skill sets and our interests are completely different. He does, he loves payroll, taxes, insurance, numbers, spreadsheets, right. all that stuff. I just want to talk all day. I'm were, were you both working at salary jobs at the time? He was, no, he, uh, what was he doing? He had, he had a friend of his from college at some point in time. They used to own Jackson Hewitt franchises. I think at some point in time, in that span that they own those, they own five different ones on and off. But that's mm-hmm. kind of uh, what he was doing. And then uh, I think he was doing that till then. The government got in the middle of that and they started putting a lot of regulations on that and and stuff. But we just started talking like, you know, one day we need to do a business together. So our boys, my wife and I have two boys. They both graduated high school in Florida. And we thought, you know, we've never lived around family. So my family was up here. Uh, her folks were retired Air Force in San Antonio and her sister was in Dallas. So we thought, okay. And I started applying to jobs. That's when the market hit. So I was a uh, business broker. So that went to crap. And then she was working for a company that was in business 25 years and they did stuff all across the United States, closed their doors. So we're sitting here in 2008. We're like, "Ah, looks like the time's good for Uh, me. And we were one of those, (laughs) we were one of those Florida asterisks of people that lost a lot of stuff because we didn't didn't have quite the plan B we needed to. And so we moved back up here and my brother and I kept talking and we wanted a we wanted a business with recurring revenue and we did not want a storefront. Okay. No desire for brick and mortar. And so we started a commercial cleaning business. It was recurring business, um, relatively easy to do. We could find workers. And at that time we could right now you can, you can't, you can't go. It's tough to go to somebody $10 an hour job. There's so many jobs out there. It's tough to do. So that's where we first got started in was the commercial cleaning. And we just sold that in March. So we had that for seven, eight years, something like that. I think we started 2012. And then we decided to get in the pest control business because in 2012, he and his wife bought a small residential property management company with like 25 houses and have grown it to 62 or 63 now. And so we kept thinking, well, if we're in a house, what else can we do for them? So we got in the pest control business 
And he and his father-in-law start bought a uh, painting and carpentry business. Mm -hmm. So now when we're going to house, we got all these services we can do for one homeowner. Right. And so my brother and I decided the pet, because in the pest control world, you have to work under somebody's license Mm -hmm. for two years before you can hang your shingle out. So I just say the license we were under wasn't going where we wanted it to go. So we sold to Phil Moretti with uh, Ready Pest Solutions. And I went to work for Phil. So I'm doing that with him now. Okay. And my brother and his wife are flipping houses. So, Hmm. and uh, their kids are younger. They got married later. My boys are 32 and 29. His kids are 16 and 14. So you got high school soccer, travel soccer, junior high baseball, travel baseball. So you know that world right now. It's like, okay, well, time for that. So the passion is from what I know about you and just you're excited about helping people. You're excited about coaching people. You're excited about passing on things that you've learned. I can sense from you in previous conversations, you want to help people, you know, develop themselves and maybe jump out and take that step. And it's funny that uh, I feel like we all seem to sell ourselves short. You were mentioning that earlier. We all seem to think like, oh, we're not. And I think the thing is because we've done the thing so many times, like whatever your thing is, I've built websites a fair amount of times in my life. So to me, Building a spectacular website is kind of like what I did last week too. And so it doesn't seem rare or unique or all that great. It becomes common. And so you tend to just trivialize that kind yes, of stuff. And I think do. people do that. They don't realize how awesome they are at what they're, what or, they're awesome. Or how at many or, people they've helped. Or how yeah. many people they've yeah. helped. And, and um, so you started doing the podcast and what other things like that are you interested in starting or what do you got kind of cooked up? I got... My degree from the University of Tennessee, go Vols, Mm -hmm. uh, in 1983 was in broadcasting. And I was convinced I was going to do college football play by play for life. Yeah. Because your voice is built for that. Yeah, (laughs) man. You can just play by play me and Josh walking around the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It worked out great because it's sports. I could talk and somebody would pay me. And I thought that life is just perfect right now. And as most people know, life happens. Somebody calls you and says, hey, why don't you take a look at this job over here? Mm. And you do that. So I went all the way around, had some wonderful jobs. I mean, would not trade anything. I got to do some really cool things in sports uh, in facility management. And then about, I guess, four and a half years ago, I'd been doing, I got a friend of mine in Charlotte who worked at MRN Radio uh, when we were both in Daytona Beach. I was working at the Speedway in Daytona, and he was with MRN Radio. He's a producer. And he and I had been talking for a while. We did some podcasts. There's a guy named Buzz McKim, if you're a NASCAR fan. He's the official NASCAR mm. historian. So Buzz and I worked at, we and Fred and Buzz and I worked together in Daytona. So we did about 10 or 11 podcasts talking about uh, famous cars in NASCAR, like when the Dodge Charger rolled out. Famous drivers. We did a show on the Chevrolet, Chevrolet brothers, cool. one on Ransom E. Olds, because Buzz knows everything. There's no notes in front of him. He's just one of those guys. He just walks in. Hey, but I could say, Buzz, we're going to talk about Ransom Olds. He'll go, okay. And he'll walk in and sit down and go, you know, I'm changing that to the Chevrolet brothers. He'll go, right. okay, because he just knows it all. <laughs> That's great. So we did about 10 or 11 of those, and we had an idea to try to monetize that. It didn't quite work out. And so Fred and I still kept in contact. And I was called Fred one day about three and a half years ago. I said, I got to get back into this. I've got my passion is talking, interviewing. I really want to say that. Right. And so I got with Fred and we talked a little bit more. Um, and then I decided I wanted to do it here because he lives in Charlotte. So it's difficult to drive to Charlotte to tape all the stuff and sure. and all that. And I just was talking to a friend of mine here, Jim Bowdish with Edward Jones. Jim and I grew up here together. Hmm. And we were talking about B&I one day. And I said, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I want to start this radio. I would start this show about small business, but I don't know anybody who produces anything. Mm. He says, call Amnon. So I called Amnon. And so here's that. And also through B&I, uh, I met a business coach, Karen Atilas, that I've worked with. So now I'm branching out to be a motivational speaker to tell people, because my first speech was, it's okay to be a late bloomer. Mm. I look at myself now as a 36-year overnight sensation. Because <laughs> I graduated in 83. I finally got paid in 2018. So I'm a 35-year, actually, overnight sensation. Right. And But all my talks are going to be based around, basically, you're better than you think you are. Because mm. most people won't. Because your point back to the cleaning is, yeah, I was cleaning every night, that and all this stuff. Well, I look back on it, and we lost two clients in seven years. 
So we're serving a purpose. We did good. We'd hire people right. so they could have, you know, they could have some side money and stuff like that. So when you look back on it, you're right. You do it every day. So you think, oh my gosh, that's all I do. And it, but when you look back on it, you're like, you know, we did kind of help. So. Yeah. I think sometimes we all fall victim to like a couple of things. One, ordinary things kind of lose their extraordinary principles when we're around them a lot. And two, like, I think there's a, there's a part of our brains that very strong wired to always make us feel like an imposter. Like it's called imposterism. Yeah. Like we think that everybody else is much better than what we're doing. I see this a lot in business owners. They just feel like they haven't arrived. They're not like everybody else uh, because their success stories don't match the other success stories that we hear. And success stories can be tricky mm. because a lot oh, of times yeah. we can treat our success business stories a lot like we treat our Instagram feed where we just put the very best and oh, don't show any of the behind media. the scenes. That's another show. And we kind of just curate <laughs> our, the way that our, our business is going yes. instead of being honest and candid. And, um, and there's a time for honesty and candidness. I mean, I'm not saying you should be at your nest networking thing and be like, how you doing? I'm Joe. What do you do? Let me tell you about the biggest mistake I made in the last two months. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's not a great conversation <laughs> opener, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a really fascinating topic. Um, Josh was sharing with me the other day, somebody told him, they were listening to our podcast and they wonder like, why don't they talk more about when they screw up? Yeah. The struggles and the screw ups. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. I would rather. It's because it's an only an hour long. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there. I learn from people who have lost. Right. Half quarter, all of everything and then rebounded. Mm -hmm. I can learn something from you because you can tell me what you learned to get back to where you were and then exceed right. that. I, I don't, I, I admire people who either never lost anything. I, I admire that in a way because they've, wow, they're pretty successful. I don't like the people that tell me, oh, I've never lost a deal. I've never had this. Nobody ever had to help me. I'm like, I'm out of here because you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's okay. But people have trouble telling other people I screwed up. Yeah. And I tell people one of my stories, you ever had your car repossessed? My hands up. That sucks. I yeah. mean, that's awful, but that was life. Didn't have, my lesson was I didn't have a plan B when the economy took a dump in, in 2008. Right. So that's what I learned. And a lot of people just, because they see it as a sign of weakness, just like at work. Well, I don't want to ask my boss that question because he or she should assume that I know that. And if I ask, then they'll know that I don't know that. But yeah. as a boss, and I've managed a number of people over the years, I like that. Ask me the same question twice rather than none. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of people going back to the self-confidence, they're like, oh, they think I should know that. And no, keep asking questions. That's how you're going to learn. Right. Yeah. I was, uh, we were actually just talking in between. We recorded another episode this morning um, about these Forbes articles that we just recently found out about. And there's a series of them that are essentially about this boom in content in the audio and how Forbes is predicting that audio is going to start outperforming video as a content creation. And Ooh. it's interesting because some of the things cited kind of resonate with what I feel are real life examples. People are multitasking so frequently now that instead of opening up, like having Netflix on while you're working or doing something that takes your eye as well, people like podcasts and something that can they can listen and still be ingesting useful information while being productive at their day job or running or jogging or being in a car. Oh, I walk in this morning, listen yeah. to a podcast. Yeah. I'll and the numbers are staggering. It says people are listening to like 1.5 hours a day of, uh, of podcasts. Mm -hmm. The numbers of people that listen to podcasts in America has grown uh, from like 23% regular listeners to like 33% of people regularly listen to podcasts and what it's doing is kind of creating a niche market, which is exciting because it gives us, an, it gives us a platform and it gives you a platform in such a time as this, where before to be that radio announcer, your options were <laughs> announce football. Yeah. But now there are so many ways or to be get, a bad DJ, right? <laughs> be a bad DJ. You can totally be a, a good DJ. Were you a Casey Kasem fan? Casey Kasem. Uh, I love voices. Yeah. I, when I, John Facenda on NFL films, the autumn wind is a pirate. And James Earl Jones. No, I am your father. Two best voices I've ever heard and would listen to them do anything. The other sneaky good voice, and you guys may remember this back on MTV, Kurt Loder. I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. The Citadel, the 150-year-old. So I love the voices. So yeah, Casey Kasem, he was quirky, funny. 
And and I love lists anyways. Give me a countdown of anything and I'm pretty much on board. But yeah. Where do you think that started? Did you have an old radio when you were a kid and you laid around listening to the war, that sort of story? Yeah, You're thank not you. That I'm that old. old. No, no. <laughs> well, you have to be specific. <laughs> World War One. no, I was not around. But I did I did watch Neil Armstrong land on the moon from home. So yeah, I've been around that long. <laughs> Uh, just watching my dad love sports. So sports, even back in the day when there were just three networks, that's all we got. Right. And we only got the game of the week. So the first time I watched a game of the week, some no, somebody nobody's heard of named Vince Scully was the announcer. I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty good. And then I started listening to University of Tennessee football on radio. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And mm-hmm. and so I love voices. I, my wife and I'll be watching TV. It could be anything. Yeah. And I'll hear some. I go, that's a good voice. Do you have an agent? Not yet, but I would love it if you guys would be. Um, go, I'll get back to that question to your question in a second. Let me go back to what you said uh-huh. about the podcast. How cool is that for the three of us? Because we are not where we want to be because we all just started. But that information right there just yeah. fires me up. Yeah. I mean, that gets me going the rest of the day and tomorrow thinking like it's there. So it's there. Got to figure out how to get there. 2006, according to Edison research, podcasts have been growing steadily and it's yeah. up 300% since then. So oh, it's, it's there. Three million That's, Americans listens to podcasts every month. Yeah. And our goal is how, cause we're, we know how to do this. I think, we're on to something. The three of us are on to something with what people want to hear uh, because you're, you know, the viewers tell you that is how do we monetize that? Because I would love yeah. to make a living just sitting down talking to people. Yeah. So if, if you're your- curious about the numbers that I'm quoting, it's from an article in, in Forbes magazine out right now. It's called The Audio Boom, How Podcasts Are Changing the Game for Marketers. There's a quote here from a scientist that I just wanted to read that I think is so cool. Um, she's basically saying that the link between audio and learning with brain stimulation um, and addictive effects, and this is the quote from the scientist, um, audio is one of the most intimate forms of media because you're constantly building your own images of the story in your mind and you're creating your own production. That's Emma Darrow, yeah. a communications yeah. professor at uh, the, F- I don't even know how to pronounce that. She's at a university, so she sounds smart. <laughs> the, um, Six letters after her last name. Have you ever had that experience where you read a really good book and then you watch the movie and it doesn't live up to the hype that you created oh, in yeah. your in your brain? Like Fifty Shades of Grey. Like oh. was the book different <laughs> than the movie for you, Mike? That's, Sadly, I've not seen her. I've not seen either Mike, one of them. It's I Mike thought. Manning, not yeah. Magic Mike. Joe, I thought that's required I, for our hey, guests to have hey, seen that. Uh, at one one time, I was called Magic Mike, but for a whole other reason, unfortunately. So, oh, TMI, yeah. listeners, uh, nobody, TMI. Nobody wants to see, see this body. And we have the Manning name. <laughs> well, what I love about your podcast and your story, Mike, is that you didn't let a very limiting thing, which is not knowing how to produce, mm-hmm. stop you from taking the action. And I wonder if podcasts won't prove to be a lot like books are for authors that everybody wants to have one. And Josh and I, we run into people all the time like, oh, I should totally do a podcast. And most of the time the people are super compelling people. And the answer is like, you should. Yeah. But they just don't find the the opportunity like you did to balance out whatever they might be lacking. That Yes. And I there's a, a Facebook group called Podcast Movement that I follow. And there's people from all over the world, yeah. brand new, established, all that stuff. So I enjoy reading about stuff, but I need it in context. So, oh, wow, I started out this, but I need to know how you all of a sudden had 80,000 listeners or you've been doing it for four years. You only have 800. So if I once I get something in context, I can understand that. But I like it. Some podcasters are just conversationalists. And I'm, I come from that with the degree, just a straight interviewer. And I'm a huge Dan Patrick fan, just like I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. Two of the best interviewers walking the planet yeah. right now. Have you listened to Armchair Expert? If you like Howard Stern, I bet you would really like Dak Shepard's podcast. Yeah. Oh, I have not. I've heard of it, but I have not. Yeah. I bet you but would really like I, it. I love the way they get people to answer questions because they, they get them comfortable. One, and I'm a big, uh, anyways. I'm a big fan of Colin Coward as well from content point, not from interviewing Dan Patrick and the good interviewers. They ask the question. They don't rephrase it. They ask you, Joe, what about, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Cowherd is really good on content, but he's not good on interviewing because I'll ask you, Joe, what do you think about this? 
I'll give you 45 seconds of my editorial, what I think of it. And then I'll re-ask the question. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, here's the question. And I, my favorite phrase is, in other words, you just told me I'm stupid. <laughs> if you have to ask me a question, they go, well, in other words, Mike, you just told me I'm stupid. <laughs> I ain't got to figure it out. So ask the question. So I like those podcasts where it's a good, it's a, cause I want to hear the guest. Sure. And so it, so I'm always listening to my stuff thinking, okay, did I get in and out of the question fast? Right. And do they really care what I think? And because my show is about everybody else and I'll, you know, sometimes you have to couch a question with some information to ask it. Yeah. But I always like the good interviewee interviewers, just get, get straight to the question. I want to hear what that person has to say. Right. And it's hard. Yeah. Like, this is fun. I love it. But to get where you want to go in anything is hard. And just like with you guys, every week I'm perfecting, listening, thinking like, eh, maybe that didn't work or this worked. So, yeah, but I enjoy it. I, I just, I, and I'm, I'm with you back to the podcasting stuff. You can do it in the car, right? right? You can do it at home. You can do a walk and running at the gym, all that stuff. Yep. There's just so many places you can take it. The numbers are crazy high on the amount that people will complete in a podcast. If you compare it to other traditional forms of stuff like magazines, for example, mm -hmm. when was the last time you read a magazine cover <laughs> to cover? Um, it's probably uncommon. It's not the normal practice to have that kind of completion right now. A good article. Absolutely. You finish it. But the the standard numbers or the average numbers for podcasts is that people listen to 85 percent of the podcast and the length does not play a factor in that. And, and that's it, true of Josh and I numbers. It's actually closer to 95. Well, it's an easier. I can see it being easy from a behavior standpoint, because if I drive here and I'm listening to a podcast, I know that when I get back in my Jeep, if I'm engaged, I'm going to start it again, right, right where I stopped it. Or thanks to technology, we got Bluetooth and it just picks up where you left off because it repairs. That's what my car does. It's some kind of wizardry or magic. As soon as I leave or go to a networking thing, I come back and it picks up the audiobook or the podcast right yeah. where I left off, which is great. Thanks technology for making it easier on people. Yeah. And I like that stuff. Again, I'm a, just a couple of years older than you guys. I think, <laughs> I think both of you could be my sons, but I'm, I'm old school radio. So I need the storytelling. That's what I grew up on listening. And I, I love that part of it. But the, the podcasting is it, you can tell who really wants to do it. Cause again, going back in your regular jobs, you can see the passion, you can hear the passion. And I like listening to people that I can learn from as I got, as I've gotten older, I've, I'm realizing who I'm drawn to and I'm drawn to people that I can learn something from or be entertained from. And I'm trying to find all kinds of different podcasts to make because I'm a sports guy through and through. And I don't want to listen to just sports podcasts. So I'm there's one right now, the wealthy speaker that I'm listening to because she has uh, people on every week talking about how they got to where they are. And this goes back to the three of us is we, we kind of know where we want to go and we know it's there. And the, the goal and the joy without comparing ourselves to, oh, these people, they've been doing it. They've got 2.5 million years. Sure. No, no. But that gets back into the problem. Some people, when they start, it's like, oh, I'll never be that good or I could never reach that level. Yeah. And they don't really try. And that's that's a that's that's disappointing because they might have had a chance to do that. Just quit comparing yourself to other people. Sometimes Just I think you. people believe falsely that there's only one path to success for <laughs> podcasting. And I think. The common perception is, is like, I want to grow my audience to get to a hundred thousand listeners so I can sell a mid show ad to a mattress company for $500 a week. And yep. now I've made it and I'm profitable. There's another approach that I feel is equally valid that you don't hear people talking about as often. And I just like to share it with you if you're on the fence and be like, man, should I do podcasting? Is that something I should get into? If you think of your podcast as a way to do content marketing. And so most people, when they talk about content marketing, they're doing social media, they're doing uh, writing a blog, they're they're drawing up white papers and things like that. And these are the things that people are giving away kind of strategy and expertise to position themselves as the leader a thought leader on a topic so that people would grow some trust and empathy. They, they think they empathize with what they're going through. And then it makes them want to do business with them. It's called content marketing. It's a whole thing. If you approach your podcast as another potential way to do podcast marketing and another potential way to help you get in front of the clients that you believe that you could serve, then you can actually come out ahead doing a podcast without going the traditional marketing approach. So in other words, if you have a couple oh, you did rabid not fans. Just say in other words to you me, can, did you? <laughs> did I? Did you hear words, that, Josh? It went right through. Uh, in other words. <laughs> in other words. 
I'm older. Did he hear that? No, I'm just but, saying, I don't think people have recognized the value before you get to monetization. I think yeah. a lot of people think that a podcast is only of worth if you can monetize it quickly. And I think that's a very limited way to think at the, the power Agreed. of the medium. And it depends on what you want out of it, because yeah. I think the three of us are looking to use ours to drive other things. Whereas Amnon, who produces mine, he just wants to do it every Sunday morning. He doesn't ask for anything, never advertiser, never even ask his audience. Hey, what he just does it because that's his passion. Mm -hmm. And if, but you got to know what you're back to your point. Why am I getting into this? Right. Do I want to just talk about something? If you're a car guy, I just want to talk about cars all day. Right. Great. You know, so but, what was the why behind yours? I know for Josh and I, it was like, we wanted to start an adventure. We wanted to, we wanted to do some cool stuff and talk to some cool people and challenge ourselves to tell a better story and put ourselves in situations where the relationships that we form with awesome people will cause us to want to be better people and try and do stuff. What was kind of your why with getting into the podcast? Mine, I'm drawn. I get fired up when I hear somebody else talk about how cool things that are happening to them. And I love stories and I like asking questions. I've been driving people nuts since I was about four asking questions. <laughs> and I'm finally realizing how to make something out of that. Uh, I just, it's not till recently that I've started now that I've uh, working on launching a speaking career uh, is in a business coaching is realizing, oh, from a podcast standpoint, I could, you know, help broaden that. I just love stories. I just like talking to people. I could do, I could do these shots. I could do three a day. Yeah. And just, it would be a great day for me just cause I just, I love learning and hearing people uh, talk about what makes them yeah. happy and how they got started. Cause we all got, uh, you know, everybody, well, you've been in, so, you know, on my show, one of the things I ask two questions I always get to one is when they have a spouse is how'd you meet your spouse? And do you both tell the story the same way? And most people go, yeah, I think we do that. You've just drawn me in right there, but we're having fun with it Yeah, because everybody's most people don't realize they like talking about themselves. Sure. I just tell people I do. I love telling stories, stuff like that. Yeah. So that's one of the questions. And then the other question I ask is when we talk about uh, something nobody knows about you or previous jobs, I've got your work history because I've done the research on you. Mm. I want that high school job story that lasted two hours or you got fired from, or it lit your passion for something else. That's what I want to know. Cause I can read your bio, Man. but that's what people in the numbers for my show. And we track it every 15 minutes and every week it, it goes up, you know, by 1145, sometimes it may only go up eight people, but it tells me they love the format. Yeah. And I just, I, the best part of my week is waking up Monday morning. Cause I know I'm going to do my show at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And everybody's got stories. We all do. And sometimes you, somebody will tell a story and you go, God, I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're driving a car back in high school and you think, I wonder how fast I can go to get over that little hill to get my car airborne. And okay, then you okay. bottom Let's say, let's say, have you ever got, you guys ever in your life, like had to use the bathroom really, really bad and you ran and ran and ran to the bathroom and then you just couldn't make it and you pooped your pants? Uh, yes. Me too. Yes. <laughs> and I've, I've had to pee in a bottle in a car because I, I was between exits in the middle of nowhere. But though, yes. Yeah. I have yeah. a funny sure. story. Like, yeah. So cross country, I was on a long run once and I had oh, to stop yeah. in the woods because there was no way I was making it back. <laughs> oh, this is interesting how we got here so quickly. I was, I spent a while as a youth pastor, which is fun. And so as a youth pastor, you get to drive the church van with all the kids in the back and I'm really bad at road trips. Like you can ask my family for some reason, like the goal of traveling is to get there in my mind. That's the only thing. And to beat whatever GPS says, like if it says it's two hours and 49 minutes, I want to make it in two hours and 30 minutes. So like things that Joe hates on a road trip, hate it when somebody I passed passes me back again. Mm. Um, don't like to stop to go to the bathroom because that truck that I passed 15 yep. minutes, it's going to pass me again. So I'm kind of, I have a neurosis around that. Anyways, as a youth pastor, I would, I was the same way. And I would tell the kids like, no, we're not stopping. Mm -hmm. It just makes me bad youth pastor because they just want to stop practice for being a, or whatever. That's practice for being a dad, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh -huh. But uh, at one point this, so it did happen to me once that one little boy relieved himself in a Mountain Dew can and mm -hmm. threw it up at me <laughs> oh, after, after I wouldn't stop. It's like, oh, this isn't, oh, that's, oh gosh, what did <laughs> yeah. you do, Elijah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
That's an interesting topic switch right there. We but just we, went down that path. But those are the stories <laughs> that we all have. And some people are afraid to tell them. Because like, ooh, that'll make me look like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, be be comfortable enough in your own skin. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's going to look at you because you had to, you pooped in your pants. Yeah, people. Like, stop. I'll, I'll never hire Josh. He pooped <laughs> in his pants. No, you're going to hire him for that reason. Stop being so tough on yourself, people. <laughs> be genital to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Treat yourself gentle, gentle. But I think, you know, we're being silly and telling fun stories. And those fun stories are fun. But at the same time, I think that knowing more about somebody deepens the relationship, which deepens trust, which makes you want to continue to do business with them. And I think we all get back what we were talking about before. We could potentially be robbing ourselves of genuine relationships that prove to be very fruitful in, in business by not sharing the mistakes that we've learned mm-hmm. through business. I think because mm-hmm. anybody that is a business owner knows that they've made mistakes. Oh yeah. And so either we got this imposterism thing that we keep perpetuating, like I must be different than everybody else because nobody else seems to make mistakes, mm-hmm. which we all kind of know at a gut level is not true in total is. BS. Yep. Or like, how do we help people by telling them what we've learned and being transparent with the, the mistakes that we've made? I've been uh, very fortunate. I've had some really good bosses in my day, some with some pretty elite level jobs right now. Uh, and to learn from them on, hey, and the good ones, and you guys know, because you know a crappy boss when you see it, the crappy boss in a meeting, his boss, his or her boss says, oh, tell us about the new project your team's working on. And that, that boss immediately goes, well, we came up with this idea. The good boss says, let me let Joe, I'm going to let Joe talk about that because it was his idea. Yeah. Now you got buy into this boss because he told you in front of his boss, Joe's the man, he came up with this. Mm-hmm. So we know crappy bosses and I've had a chance to learn from some good bosses, but the good ones say, hey, that was a good idea you had, but let's look at it a little different way. Or have you thought about it this way instead of telling you, Joe, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> um, they would walk you through, okay, we're here. All right. So what now, what if this happened or if this was part of it, what, how would you do it that way? And everybody, everybody who's had a business knows that one day where they thought, I'm going to go out of business. <laughs> it's just going to work. And they've sought guidance from somebody, which is, I tell people all the time, go find somebody that you trust right. that can help you with this. Because you have to have somebody that asks questions. And I find you people do, are I so kind about that. They, oh, more people want to help then don't want to help. And people in general won't because, and I go back to, and this is a a husband wife thing. You have company visiting and oh my God, the house has to be spotless. Well, no, it doesn't, you know, because I always tell my wife occasionally. So if we went over to one of our friend's house and their friend and their house was a mess, would we ever go back there again? She goes, yes, exactly. Okay. So quit judging yourself so much. But I wish more people, and I know you guys in the situation, you can bounce stuff off each other because mm-hmm. you're going to see it different ways. Like my brother and I, he's up here at 10,000 feet looking at the business. I'm on the ground training and cleaning people and spraying stuff and all that. Well, we see it different, but we talk and we kind of get in the middle of what's best for the company right now. Right. We may not need this right now, but we will need this right now. And I always told people, he's my work wife. I tell him what I want. He goes, here's what you're getting <laughs> <laughs> on your way. <laughs> so, but I wish more people would seek out somebody. If they truly want to get started, just seek out somebody you trust yeah. and just run the idea by them. I noticed somebody has to start with the candor. Like I go to a lot of one-on-ones and, and networking events. And so if you go to a networking event, normally you got enough time for your elevator pitch. Hey, what do you do? What do you do? And it's, it's story swapping It's trying to get an understanding of what that person's about and what their story is. And then if you get to the next level, which happens often in networking events, like, Hey, we should get together and grab coffee or something. So you've set up like a one-to-one is what B and I calls them, or just a get together with somebody. Somebody in that meeting has to start being candid about what they're actually at or pose a problem or open up what like storytellers would call like open a story loop and allow the conversation to get real. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to force myself to do that regularly. Mm-hmm. Like I it's to humble yourself. And I'm in the position now where I've only been doing my company full time, not as freelance for less than six months. So that's a really easy in for me. Like, Hey, I'm in that startup phase right now. And I feel like I'm doing as many things wrong as I get right. And I'm um, just curious from your perspective, you think back in your company when you were new, like me, what do you wish that you knew that you know yeah. now and what kind of advice do you give me? And then I, if I find that the more that I'm candid and the more I lay it out, 
and be like, well, let me ask you about this. And I give more details. I, I solicit better advice for myself. Mm. Um, now I'm not like that with everybody. Um, normally if we have a good early starting point to the relationship or somebody like, Oh, this person's actually been there. And I think that's the thing that you were alluding mm -hmm. to. Like you should ask people that have been there because they've, they've, they've kind of learned those shortcuts of, or I don't know if they're shortcuts, but they've lived it through experience and it's not a intellectual concept. They didn't yeah. learn it in a book. They learned, <laughs> they learned something that worked for them. And um, I feel like people have been very kind and giving me very good advice in situations like that where I wasn't paying them as a consultant mm -hmm. and um, but they were just sharing from their life experience and they gave me what worked for them. I feel like the really wise people know that and they're like, this is what worked for me. It doesn't yeah. mean it'll work for you. Um, when you genuinely ask somebody for help, they're They're going to help you. If you just say, I'm at this right. point and I can't get through this barrier. Mm -hmm. I heard an interview one time, this a couple of years ago, was uh, uh, some guy, I can't remember the names of the people, but they were interviewing a businessman. And the question was, tell me about the first business you lost. And I thought, dang, wow. it's sure enough, the guy had three that didn't make it. Yeah. But he talked about that. And, but I thought the question was awesome. That is the awesome. first one. Because we all, but we get to that. But just find somebody that, and again, going back to the question, what do I wish I knew in, in small business today that I didn't know then? There's not 20 things you're going to get done in a day. Yeah. You got to boil that down. What are the two things that are going to get you to Saturday mm -hmm. right. and the three things that are going to get you to Monday and focus on that? What do your customers yeah. want? What's going to keep your doors open? And then all the other stuff. Well, I need to meet with this person to talk about that. Okay, great. You can do that on Thursday. But, um, it's easy to become very reactionary and let your inbox set your schedule for the uh, day yeah. as opposed to being disciplined and setting your own priority for your life and saying, these yeah. are the couple of things I plan on getting done today. Yeah. I'm also really bad at that and I haven't really gotten progressively much better. So if we're just being candid here and sharing. I, I wake up and I write my uh, to-do list and I've re recently gotten into the practice of writing the to-do list the night before, mm -hmm. which is, I think, better for me. Um, it gives me time to kind of sleep on it and make sure that I got the priority right, mm -hmm. as well as I feel like I get to work faster and more efficiently if I, I did that prep the day before. Mm -hmm. But I still am in the habit of, and I'll just open up my book right here, this is a one day to-do list for Joe. And so what happens is I do my one day to-do list. If you could see it, it's probably, I don't know, 20 bubbles of it's stuff. It's a full which are, page with a lot of boxes. It's a full page with a lot yeah. of boxes. They got numbers next to them, which is like, do it in this order. That's scary. And, um, yeah. and so what I have been doing quite regularly for the last couple of months is only completing 50 to 60% of my list every day. And I haven't, and I'm kind of like giving myself an excuse, I think, because I just feel like I got to capture the to-do items so I don't forget them. Um, and I think my numbers are kind of what you're talking about. But I believe that if I look back and I'm super candid, there are a couple things every day that make that list that if I do them, I feel good about stopping working. Yes. And then there's a lot of things on this list that are fillers that just need to get done, little things that need to get checked off. And, um, in the past I used to implement a system where if I could do it in 15 minutes, I wouldn't write it down on my to-do list. I would just do the thing. I'm not certain that's the best thing for me right now. Cause it's kind of, it's a little bit reactionary. All right. So I'm going to go to an open page. So for tomorrow, right. Must do going to try to do right. Try that. Cause the must do, you got a book. You guys just, before I got here, you booked your show for next week. Mm -hmm. That's a must do. Right. Got to do. Yeah, I got this voicemail an hour ago. I, I I'll get back to that instead of oh, I've got to stop everything I'm doing because yeah. I just got an email that matters, but right. it's not going to affect anything today. So a must do and a want to do. Right. However you want to phrase it. And if you have two things, you should have on the must do list. There should be two things, not twenty. <laughs> that that's a problem because then you think everything's important and you can't prioritize. I'm very ambitious now. <laughs> that, that's fine, but you have to prioritize. And what's the must do today right. to, to get to tomorrow, get to money, stuff like that. So if you try yeah. that, and, and again, we talked earlier, uh, Dave Ramsey, big fan, uh, explain to people which loan you pay off first, because mm -hmm. then you see progress, pay off the $150 loan. Then you see progress because right. you're not going to pay off the $10,000 loan every night. Yeah. Same thing with the to-do list. I don't know about you guys, but when I see those checked off, I think, okay, I'm making progress. There's a momentum to it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's taken me a while to figure out 
how to put that list in order. And it's right. an ongoing process because I don't know if I'll ever figure it out. I'll tell you something I've been applying for the last week or so that I've really been enjoying. It's based on a principle called Parkinson's law, which is that the amount of time that it takes to do work will infinitely swell based on the deadline that you've got. <laughs> so like if you have two things to do and you have 12 hours to do mm-hmm. them, those two things are going to take you 12 hours. So for the last uh, couple of weeks or so, I was telling Josh about this and it's been working out good. Um, I've been forcing my deadlines um, in a way to utilize the, the principles that are true in this law. So instead of knowing that I have until the 23rd of next month to complete this task, because that's a deadline that the client gave me, I sit down, take a realistic look at my schedule, block out amount of time set a deadline that's much more aggressive and then email the client when I'm going to talk to them about it and I'm going to have something to look at them. And that makes the deadline real. That second step of emailing the client that I just started recently has been the game changer. Because if I put the deadline tight in my mind, then anything else can compete because Mm -hmm. nobody's really holding me accountable. Well, and uh, and the other thing then, if that's a task that's not difficult for you to do in your world, Go ahead and get it done. But if you don't, then that just looms over you. Right. It's January 23rd. You see it every day. Gotta, gotta get just out, get it off the list because it's going to drive you nuts. Right. Right. But you're right. So if you speed up the client, then they may, they may speed up more work they want you to do for them. Yeah. It's very possible. Oh, yeah. We shall see. I've been enjoying it. It's been working out for me. And I, th- I like that phrase. It's been working out for me because Josh and I were talking earlier. I read a lot of business development books. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I feel like the unspoken um, and you could put it kind of in the same category about people not often telling the bad stuff. They just tell the best version. But I feel like there's a big unspoken in all those books that is your personality type. Like you could read the latest book from the latest guru and be like, do what I do and be successful. And we've had the opportunity to interview a lot of fantastic people. And I made like an analogy earlier with Josh, like if you take episode two and episode four and take their advice, the (laughs) the reason that episode two was successful is because their personality is wired this way and this works for them. And four, if they use the same strategies and everything in a personality type that doesn't match, they're going to find themselves frustrated. Mm -hmm. They're going to find themselves living somebody else's story instead of finding out what works for them. Well, and on that note, I've, I admire people that can work from home because I can't. Yeah. I, I can't stay focused that long because I'm like, because I was on a conference call the other day, I put it on mute and loaded the dishwasher. And that was just rude. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, when I was done with all, you know, that's that's rude. business confessions. <laughs> right. That, that was rude to the people I was on the phone call for because I wasn't listening. Right. So when I want, when I have to do work, I go to Panera's. Yeah. And granted, there's more movement going around, but mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do except sit there and do yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah. when you talk about how you're wired as I get older and when I work with people, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to help them grow their business. How, how do you like that? Don't you? <laughs> how are you wired? Right. If it does, you're right, because I can't my brother can look at numbers and spreadsheets all day long yeah. and I'm good for. I can, I can do a spreadsheet because I've run a business, I've run a facility at a $6 million budget. So I can manage that, but I can't look at that all day. I can't look at that for an hour, mm-hmm. but he can. And I, I can't. Because so, you just want to party. I just want to <laughs> talk. I just want to talk to people, you know, and I want to learn from them yeah. and see how their day's going and all that stuff. But you're right, though, going back to the how are you wired? I've mm-hmm. started thinking about that more. And, and even with my wife and I just, I'll, yeah. I'm just not wired to do that. Let me do it my way yeah. and just, I'll get it done. I agree. I've just heard a lot of great stuff on like understanding your why and knowing your cause. And I think that's crazy important. And I think that's really good, but I just think the market is not developed in like understanding how you're wired and how to, how to work yeah. your strengths. Why don't you write a book about it, Joe? Well, there's a great book about like understanding your strengths that's already out there. It's a great book and there's like strength finders and there's tests that exist. Oh gosh. Um, but the challenge is, I think for a lot of people, like if you're not a analytical style person, the worst thing you can tell somebody is sit down, read a book and take a test <laughs> yeah. and it'll tell you more about yeah. yourself. <laughs> like yeah. that's everything I hate about everything. Like yeah. why would I do those two things? Uh, but I think that there's just, there's a missing component of wisdom out there for understanding that just because something worked for somebody else doesn't mean that copy and pasting the formula is going to equal the same results for you because there are, there are variables about that person's life that they could be very simple. Like maybe they're, they're not married and you're married. So like a 16 hour workday makes a ton of sense and it's not draining for them. 
um, because they don't have to, uh, they don't, they don't get to prioritize time to spend regularly with uh, a house full of people that they share if they're living alone. So like a lone wolf can approach things very differently than somebody that needs relationships. And if you try to, as like, uh, if you tried to live as a lone wolf, like I'm just gonna, I'm just going to work from home. I'm going to be super efficient. I'm going to manage every six seconds of my day and I'm going to break it down into quadrants. Like you would just wither away, but somebody that's wired that way might thrive in that environment. And I feel like that's a, that's something that I just don't hear enough about. Yeah. I hear a lot of like, use this method, this method will change your life. But there's no like, if you're this kind of person, if you're wired this way, when, here's when, some tactics. When you two like were you. in school, could you study? Did you have to have total silence or did you have to have something on in the background? I prefer noise. I got to have that because I don't need to hear it. But I just need to know it's there. Just like why I go to Panera's because yeah. there's everything happening. I feel like I'm part of a team. Even yeah. though I don't know anybody there hardly. Yeah. But that's where I go in the comfort. And my youngest son is like me. We've got to have noise right. somewhere. So like depending on whatever test you're talking about or whatever, let's use something really simple. Introvert, extrovert. Sounds like you're an extrovert. <laughs> and if you behaved as an introvert, you would not feel like you did stuff. Yeah. You would not feel connected to your yeah. passion. You would not feel like you got work done. You could maybe do the exact same thing as somebody in the exact same way who's mm. getting the endorphin release of like, I did great work. I added value. Mm. I'm, I was passionate about what I was doing today. And you, they have the same set of tasks. I just find this so fascinating that uh, you just don't hear a lot about it. And I don't, uh, even though I've only known you guys for a little bit, I don't lack from confidence. I don't know if what I'm telling you is actually going to happen if I could do it, but <laughs> I don't lack confidence on, I could do that. Going back to my show, Amnon sits, just like what you guys do, all the stuff you do with the machines could not, I couldn't produce a show. I got to be on the show. <laughs> I got to be part of the show. But so I piddle because you guys piddle with machines and let numbers and levels and all that stuff. Which is great. You guys kind of like dual threats because you can do both. You can be the show and produce the show. But I can't do that. But where I found out where I'm piddling with all that stuff is like information, mm-hmm. researching and learning and, and stuff like that. But I just I that stuff because you're right. I, I just I can't do that. Even if you ask me to learn to do it. Yeah. I know a couple oh, girls that could help you with that. Their names are Siri and Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> like well, they did the lights to 50% for me because that's yeah. important. <laughs> Don't say her name. She'll wake up. <laughs> She's over there listening. To Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, gosh. I wish yeah. they would let you. So you can change if you have an Alexa or a talking device in your house. I wish they would let you change the name to whatever you want. Right now, Alexa only gives you two choices. You can call her computer or Alexa. I wish that they would let you name it whatever because I would just have a lot of fun with that. Just different names every day for. Yeah. And I would, or she could call you a different name. Yes, sweetie. Here. Yeah. yeah. What I want, I want the accent. I want the deep Southern accent. Uh, what do you mean you want it? You I, want a- I want Alexa to talk to me with a Southern accent. Oh, that's coming. That. That's and common. then also my favorite non-Southern accent is Northern Ireland. Oh gosh. Love those. When can we program our series? And that's our what, that's I what know. I want. I don't need a name or anything. Not. I just want the accent because I love the Southern accent. It would just like help us out. Like dear Siri, sound like, you know. Yeah. 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 Nice. Oh, that would be great. So if just Siri with her tonality would have a Southern accent, you'd be happy. <laughs> It'd be, I'd, I'd be a long way down the road being happy. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You're happy with her plateaus and her peaks and all yeah, that. Like, yeah, we could work on the conversation, be a little bit more conversation. Have you guys seen the movie Her? I have a really thick Boston accent. I oh think that God. would be fun. Oh God, hold on. I'm going to go throw <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Matt Damon. God. The, uh, I was listening to, I forget what I was listening to, but, uh, it was talking about the sexiest accents and the sexiest accent right now in the, in the U S is Boston. And people find kidding. that to be the sexiest accent on a woman or a guy. Yeah. I which one? There is know. no way that's true on a broad or on a gent. Well, you would think I would have to imagine it would be a, on a woman because I think on a, well, I'm a guy. So that's the way I think. Who I do you know? Really. One woman who has a Boston accent. I don't know one. any women. See, I don't know Boston any women. Accents. Yeah. I know <laughs> men, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> Matt Damon. Do you know any? No. Female and I'm Bostonian. I'm sure they're wonderful women. <laughs> I'm a Southern guy. I'm an SEC guy. I need my accent. I'm sure you're wonderful. Like, Can you just talk here, right? Here's, a, here's <laughs> another thing talking about how we're wired. And this is a geographical thing, but when I'm in a restaurant and and somebody, usually the, the waitress walks <laughs> up uh, being a she and she'll say, okay, sweetie, what can we get for you today? I just melt. I Aww. love that. And I hear my friends from the North go, that's offensive. 
I'm like, they're just being nice. That's how we talk. I know, I know. We don't yell at you. We say thank you. We say, please come back. We say yeah. you're welcome. But wait, I'm never offended with somebody. Hey, sweetie, what can I get? Honey, what can I get for you? Yeah. <laughs> that's offensive. That's funny. Yeah. I'm just. Honey, can I have the check, please? Yeah, that's normal down here. Oh, yeah. Sweet tea. Yeah. It's normal. Somebody call me, hun. I'm good with that. That's why we are the, what we are. We're Southern. I hospitable. Know. I know. It's. A, I love the way the South is wired. So. I only use nicknames and pet names with family members. I'm just not that. I think it's a confidence thing. Like, I'm not going to see, like, I'm, I'm not going to respond to somebody being nice. who would be like, thanks, baby. Or, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Like, would well, you like some sweet tea, hon? Yeah, so, sugar bear. Like, it's a, I feel like I'm doing it wrong, one, and two, it's offensive when I try it because I'm not native to here. And I, I just do it wrong and it's You bad. are so not <laughs> But again, it's all contextual. Yeah. Okay. Somebody walking up generic, don't know you, and that's just the way they talk. So you're being I meeting next week when if one of the, your female members gets done with her 10 minute, you can't say, baby, you <laughs> nailed it. Not going to work. Hey, hon, good stuff. Not going to work. So yeah, yeah that's great. It would be, yeah. It so would you're saying that's good. okay. Is that what you said? I'm fine with it. I don't think it'd go over well, but I'm fine with it. You I heard think. it here, folks. Mike Manning. What if, that was your, what if that was your thing? You just came some of a different nickname every time you talk to somebody. That would be fun to listen to. At least. Yeah. Some guys do that. I have nicknames with some family members with a couple of nieces, a couple of nephews. I'll, you know, but yeah. other than that, I'm not, um, I've called other people, Nick, well, it wasn't really a nickname, but they didn't really like what I called them. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was you masking what you really felt. Exactly. It's just yeah. a nickname. Don't worry about it. Just enough not to get hit. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a term. I know really where I come from. It's a, <laughs> that's yeah. a term. People say it. I'm not describing what I really think about you. <laughs> yes, that is correct. There Sweet. are some colloquialisms as I moved around the country that like in the North, um, I think this is in the South. Goober is like slang for like your member. Goober. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. In but where? In the South. That's what I've heard. Don't touch so your no, goober. No, it's not. Put your goober back in your pants. No, so it's a term of you're not, not being real bright. You go, Dude, was, you're such a goober. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how we use it where I grew up. Like in Michigan, a goober was either like a country bumpkin, like yeah. kind of yeah. guy and or uh, like when you spit. Well, you, you, uh, you, you're such a goober is a, is like the light version of you're such a dick. <laughs> yeah, right? so, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. when you move down here and I didn't know this and I would I apparently that was one of the things that I used is like my very PG cuss word. Like instead of dang it, I was like, oh, this guy goober. Yeah. And I haven't having no idea. And at the time, I think I was pastoring. So I would use it like in a message, you know, in front of the youth group and I not knowing that. <laughs> In the South, it was slang for like your member. It worked out really good for me is what I'm saying. So things like that, I feel like are exact reasons why I should never use nicknames or, or yeah, 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 just because yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it wrong. I'm yeah. going to do it wrong. Colloquialism free. You're living <laughs> yeah. a colloquialism free yeah. life. Jay. Yeah. That's a that'd look good on a t-shirt. Like yeah. No colloquialism. Those aren't landmines. If you're in a position of like teaching and stuff, you gotta be careful. So Mike, how could people uh, get connected with any of your coaching or hear your next talk or how can they reach out and podcast? touch you? Mike? If you would go to <laughs> open mic talk.com. Open I could not believe that was available about a year. That and is half ago. awesome. Yeah, it was. I was open I, I raced into the other room for my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I have that on. People will buy stuff you left in your cart to tick you off. Yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Like if you like, that's a great idea. And you leave it in there and wait till tomorrow. Somebody bought yeah. that and they'd be happy to sell it back. To yeah. you. So that yeah. was a smart move, man. You got to go get that. Yep. That's but if you go work. to openmiketalk.com, you can uh, hear a couple snippets of the first speech I did. And I'll be honest with everybody. I'm starting out. So I'm getting ready to do a second different one here. I think June 23rd. But also, if you scroll down about halfway down the page, you will see you can click on the link for the podcast I do uh, and tell me what you think. Uh, there's a way to give feedback. I'm one of those that I'll if you have a legitimate information to give me, I will listen. But if you're just being a, a goober, I can't <laughs> but yeah, go to open my talk. And uh, I think I have a picture of me and my grandson, Oliver, on there. 
All right. He's 10 months and four days now. So because you've been bequeathed with such a voice as this, we require all of our top voice guests to read a sonnet. (laughs) Oh, God. So this is your sonnet 116, William Shakespeare. Do not touch the screen. It shall not go away. And this will end the episode. Thank you so much, Mike, for being on. And as you guys enjoy the rest of your day, please enjoy the Shakespearean sonnet. The reading. It is a star to every wandering bark whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ nor no man ever loved. Thanks for listening. Sick. Was that good enough? Because <laughs> reading is hard. People don't understand to read on air. Yeah. My eyes are faster than my mouth. Yeah. But so good readers. I'm, I'm, I love good readers. So anyways. Thanks for being with us, Mike. This my pleasure. Thanks for having it. me. Thanks I enjoyed it. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck. Tell a better story. And have a good answer to the question. What are you doing today? 